Well, it seems that everybody these days wants our money. It's true, isn't it? Charity after charity, good cause after good cause. Maybe you've noticed the same thing. All these charities that are out there today, all of them are wanting to, us to buy their merchandise. And so they try and sell us their pens and their pins and their pendants and their wristbands, their little coloured ribbons. We're asked to buy red noses, yellow daffodils, sick little teddy bears. Maybe you've noticed the same thing. A lot of these charities today, they, they, they don't want us just to give our money to them. They want us to make money for them. They want us to, to find people who will sponsor them, us. And so they encourage me to wear a loud shirt. They encourage me to, to grow a moustache. They, they, they encourage me to have a morning tea. They encourage me to starve myself silly for 40 hours. They tell me to read a book. They tell me to shave my head. They tell me to have a big night in. They even tell me that it's okay for me to wear jeans to work. As though I need an excuse for that. Charity after charity after charity. And it seems that these charities are, are everywhere. It feels like they're omnipresent. I don't know about you, but it feels like each time I leave my front door at home, it feels like I'm followed down the street by a big koala bear holding a bucket. <laughs> charity after charity after charity. All of them very good causes. All of them really worthwhile causes. All of them wanting my money. And all of them wanting your money too. Well, friends, guess what? Today we, become, we come to our lead up to Mission Sunday. Yeah, that's right. Mission Sunday, when once again we're going to be asked to put our hand in our pocket and hand over our hard-earned cash to, to, to what? Well, to the poor old missionaries that have gone off to some faraway land. And so the question has to be asked, what's so different about Mission Sunday? What makes Mission Sunday so different from all of those other charities that are out there? Well, today as we reach the final part of Paul's letter to the Philippians... I reckon we're going to see that there is, in fact, a huge difference. And I'm not embarrassed to say from the very beginning that my hope for you today is that as we look at this final part of Philippians, you're going to be so inspired by it that you're going to give a, a generous chunk of your money towards the support of our missionaries. I'm not embarrassed to say that because as you'll come to see today, you'll, you'll see that it's actually for your own good. But before we go any further, how about we come before our God and ask him to help us as we come to his word. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come to your word now, we ask that you would please uh, give us your heart and your mind as together we think about this matter of supporting our missionaries. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've already said, today we come to the final part of this letter to the Philippians. And if you don't already have Philippians chapter 4, open up in front of you. Can I encourage you to grab your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 4. You'll find it on page 832 of the small print, 1830 of the large print Bibles. And as you're looking that up, let me uh, remind you some of the background to this letter. All right, this is a, a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and it's written to the Christians in that city of Philippi. You might remember that Paul was instrumental in, in uh, bringing the gospel to that city. And you might also remember that Paul, he was a, a missionary, a, a travelling missionary. 
And so after he brought the gospel there to Philippi and, and helped establish the church there, well, he moved on from them, went on to other cities. But even now, after he's moved on, there's, there's continued to be this really strong bond between Paul and the Philippian church. And so now as Paul sits in prison and writes this letter back to them, he tells them of how that strong bond that he has with them has really made him rejoice. He knows that the Philippians have been really concerned about him. He knows that because they've been sending him gifts, uh, no doubt gifts of money. It seems that there was a, a period when the Philippians weren't able to send their support to Paul for, for one reason or another. But even then, Paul knows, he says, that even during that period, he knows that their concern for him was unwavering. Read with me Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Chapter 4, verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, why was there this lack of opportunity? Um, we don't really know. Uh, maybe it was that the Philippians... Uh, couldn't get their gifts through to Paul, you know, during the initial period of his arrest. We, we don't really know. But we know that when these gifts finally did come through again and Paul saw them, it, it caused him to rejoice. Not because of the gift in and of itself, but because of the concern that prompted those gifts. You see, it was through these gifts that Paul knew that the Philippians loved him. It was through these uh, gifts that he knew that they considered themselves to be his partners in the gospel. That it mattered to them what was happening to him. And this is why he rejoiced. But now that Paul has raised this whole issue of money in his letter, he's quick to, you know, he doesn't want the, the Philippians to get the wrong idea of what he's saying here. He doesn't want them thinking that this is some subtle attempt now for him to ask for more money. And so he just comes right out and he says so. He says, look, Philippians, I'm not saying any of this because I'm in some particular need. He says, the fact is, I never really needed any of your support anyway. Why? Well, because over the years, Paul had managed to learn a very important lesson. He had learnt the lesson of contentment. The lesson of being content, whether there was food on the table or not. Read with me from verse 11. Verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So why is Paul talking like this? Well, again, it's to show that this partnership that he has with the Philippians, it's not all about the money. Okay, Paul is saying, I'm not in this partnership with you because of the money. God's strength would be enough to get him through. See, he's no a charity case. Paul's saying, Philippians, I rejoice in these gifts that you have sent me because they are a sign of your wonderful concern for me and my ministry. 
I rejoice that even though we live so far apart, I know that you're right behind me, backing me all the way in this gospel ministry of ours. But of course, now that Paul said that he, he didn't really need the Philippians' gifts, well, there's actually the real danger of coming across as ungrateful. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So now Paul wants to set that straight. And he goes on to tell the Philippians that uh, just how much this support that they've shown him has meant to him. And he outlines the whole history of their partnership to show that he doesn't take any of it for granted. He begins by uh, recalling how the Philippians started to support him shortly after they became Christians. And he recalls how they continued to support him even after he left the city of Philippi and even after he left the region, the region of Macedonia. And he recalls how even while he was living with other Christians in another city, that they continued to, to send their support to him. And he recalls how these Philippians worked so hard to keep themselves informed on Paul's progress. And how whenever he, they found out that he was in need, well, they were so quick to send him aid. And not just once, but over and over and over again, in a way that no other church did. See, this was a wholehearted partnership that the Philippians offered Paul. It was wholehearted. They were consistent, they were generous, and they were informed. Read with me from verse 14. Verse 14. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. See, Paul is he's not ungrateful, no way, he's very grateful. Grateful for this wholehearted partnership that the Philippians have shown him. But then, Paul goes on to say how these latest gifts that have come to him from the Philippian church via Epaphroditus have left him now with with more than enough. He says that he is amply supplied. He's uh, full to overflowing because of these gifts that they've sent him. But Paul, he wants the Philippians to realise something. He wants them to realise what's going on here. He wants them to understand that this partnership that they have is actually a partnership of mutual blessing. Okay? It's not all about Paul getting from them. All right? It's not all just one way. And so what he does is he tells the Philippians that his great desire in this partnership is not ultimately that they'll send him more money, that his, that his bank account might be full or something like that. Now, Paul's ultimate desire in this partnership is in fact that the Philippians' account will be full. Not their bank account, but their account with God. Uh, their, uh, their blessings account, if you like. You see, it's, as the, the Philippians have given in this cause of the gospel, it's, it's as though their bank account has gone down, yes, but it's as though their blessings account has gone up somehow. How is that possible? How is that possible? Well, they've got to remember that there's actually a third party in this partnership. 
There's the Philippians, there's Paul, and then there's God himself. God, the third party. And so as the Philippians have generously supported Paul and his gospel ministry, well, that third party, God, has considered those gifts as nothing less than a a, a sweet-smelling sacrifice to, to him himself. And so in turn, God has filled their blessings account such that those blessings might then pour out on the Philippians. Read with me from verse 17. Verse 17. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You see, as the Philippians give, God gives too. Their account is filled. God pours out his blessings upon them. What sort of blessings do you think we're talking about here? Well, surely they have to include spiritual blessings, don't they? You know, like like, like spiritual blessings of joy. Joy as these... Philippians come to realise that their partnership with Paul is actually resulting in people being saved and coming into Christ's kingdom. Wow, what joy that brings. And surely it's um, the spiritual blessing of, of peace. You know, the, the peace of when, that comes when people let go of their tight grip of their, their stuff here on earth, their money and their possessions, and go, well, you know what, God? It's all yours anyway. So I tell you, why don't we use this in a way that really pleases you? That kind of peace. You know what I'm talking about? But notice that Paul says that God will take care of all their needs. So you know what? I think this has to include physical blessings too. Um, Physical blessings in the here and now. You see, God's promise here is that when people make sacrifices for him, when they invest in his kingdom, well, they'll look after, he'll look after them. He'll make sure they're all right. Not that he promises some amazing wealth or anything like that here, though he may choose to bless people that way. No, it's just that when, it's just that when people look after the interests of God, well, he looks after their interests too. It's an amazing promise, I reckon. And that's why Paul's not embarrassed about this partnership that he has with the Philippians. That's why he's not embarrassed about taking money from them. Why? Because he knows that ultimately it's as much for their good as it is for anything else. It's no wonder that he breaks out at this point into the praise of God. Read with me verse 20. Verse 20. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then Paul finishes his letter with a whole lot of greetings, which shows us some of the fruit of this partnership, I believe. Read with me uh, the last two verses from verse 21. Verse 21. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. 
The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now, I reckon that as the Philippians were sitting there reading this final part of the letter, I reckon it must have been really encouraging for them. You see there where it talks about um, Caesar's household sending their greetings. Okay, when it talks about his household, don't think um, family members, don't think, you know, mother-in-law and children and stuff like that. It's probably a a way of talking about his servants, Caesar's servants, um, those who are working for him. Uh, think, uh, Think civil servants, okay? Now, you might remember that back in chapter one, we learnt that those in Caesar's palace guard, those people who were guarding Paul, uh, came to, to hear about the gospel from Paul. So you know what I reckon? I reckon that's probably the same civil servants that Paul's referring to here. See what's happening? These people who have become Christians through Paul's ministry are now sending their greetings back to the Philippian church the same church that has partnered Paul in their becoming Christians. How encouraging it must have been for the Philippians, yeah, to finish this letter and and not only read about but hear from the fruit of their partnership. A real encouraging way for this letter to end, don't you think? And with that, the uh, book of, or the letter of Philippians finishes... And so what I want us to do now is to hit the fast-forward button, fast-forward 2,000 years in time, to our own context here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church. And I want us to spend a few minutes thinking about what we learn from this passage. I've already said that in a few weeks' time, we have uh, Mission Sunday. And I reckon that there are a number of things that we can learn from this passage about, about the how and the why of supporting missionaries. The first thing that I want us to take away from this passage today is the, is the fact that mission support, it's not a charity. It's a partnership. Okay, let me say that again. Mission support, when we support our missionaries, it's not a charity. It is a partnership. A partnership in the gospel. You see, think about Chandra Smith, one of our missionaries over there in Ecuador. You see, we don't send our money to Chandra Smith because of some unfortunate set of circumstances that has left uh, Chandra uh, without any money and the need- needing support. You see, she's, she's different to the, the people that the good folk at the Salvation Army, for example, seek to help. See, it wasn't by accident that Chandra left her job, her well-paying job here in Australia. It wasn't by accident that she left her family. It wasn't by accident that she went off to another country. It's not by accident that she now eats guinea pig every night. Okay, not an accident. No, Chandra did that on purpose so that she could tell people in Ecuador about Jesus Christ. And you know what happened? Before Chandra left Australia, our church said to Chandra, what, what, let me get this right, Chandra, you want people in Ecuador to learn all about Jesus so they can be saved, do you? Well, guess what? We want people in Ecuador 
to know all about Jesus so they can be saved too. And so I tell you what, why don't you go, we'll stay here and we'll send you any care, any support that we can, okay? And Chandra said, okay, partners. And off she went. You see, friends, as we approach Mission Sunday, we shouldn't... We should not approach it feeling sorry for our poor old missionaries in some faraway land. No way. We should approach it giving thanks and being excited to think that we can partner with people like Chandra in furthering God's kingdom all around the world. You see, these people, they're not charities. If that's the way you've been thinking about them, you need... You need to change your mind. You need to change your mindset. They're not charities. They're our partners. Which really flows on to the next thing that we learn today about supporting missionaries. And that's that our partnership ought to be wholehearted. It ought to be wholehearted. See, it's so obvious throughout this whole letter of Philippians, isn't it? Just how strong that bond was between the Philippians and Paul. I mean, there was such love, uh, such concern. I mean, it's not like Paul had to write these letters begging them to to, to send money and help him in the gospel ministry. No, he, he was able to say in this letter that this church willingly shared in his troubles, that time and time again they sent him aid when he was in need. Now, for that to happen... Their support, you see, it wasn't only generous. For that to happen, it had to be informed too. See, they knew, these Philippians knew what was going on in the life and ministry of Paul. And to think that that was going on in the days before email updates and prayer requests and and video presentations like the one we had today. Now, for that sort of care and concern to take place back then, that would have taken considerable time and effort for them to keep... Uh, you know, on top of what was going on. But somehow those Philippians did it. Well, I guess the question we need to ask ourselves today is how hard are we working on, on keeping ourselves informed about our missionaries? How wholehearted are we in our support of them? Friends, the care of our missionaries is so much more than pulling out our checkbook once a year and signing it to appease our consciences and chucking it towards the Mission Sunday giving. It's about taking an interest and showing a concern, a real concern in our missionaries all year round. Now I know that this is something that I myself need to work on. Um, I know that too often... I check my email inbox and there in my inbox is an email from the Griffith family listing their prayer requests for the month and, and I know that too quickly, you know, I, I look at that, that email and I look at my watch and I look at and I go, uh, dear God, uh, please bless all the missionaries, amen, delete. Okay. It's not real care, is it? It's not real support. It's not a real partnership. Friends, my hope is that my attitude will change and that I will take a greater interest in the missionaries that we as a church support. But I think it is great uh, to hear of how some of our Bible study groups in our church 
have really been caring for our missionaries. I know that some of our Bible study groups have adopted a missionary. I know how some of them are sending emails regularly and sending gifts and sending birthday cards and and all that sort of stuff. And I reckon that is superb. Yeah, we need to keep ourselves informed about our missionaries. We need to show them real care. And so let me take this opportunity to say that if you would like to receive regular newsletters from our, you know, one or all of our missionaries, that there, I believe that there is a sign-up sheet today in the foyer. Make the most of it. The third thing that I reckon we learned from today's passage about the support of missionaries is that we need to remember that it also includes our partnership with God. You know, Mission Sunday, you see, it's not just about us and the missionaries. It's about us, the missionaries, and God, the third partner. And so, you see, as you prepare for Mission Sunday, surely that has to be a worthwhile thing to keep in mind. To think that as you generously and sacrificially give your money towards the proclamation of the gospel, that your gift will actually be considered a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And not that God's interested in dollar figures. No, of course he's not. No, what's he interested in? He's interested in our hearts. And so... How much should you give to Mission Sunday? That's completely the wrong question, isn't it? There's no shoulds here. Uh, The question is, what do you want to give on Mission Sunday? You know, in your heart, what, what do you want to give to these missionaries? What do you want to give to God? My friend, there's no way that I could ever tell you how much to give on Mission Sunday. But there is one thing that I would like to do, and that is I'd like to encourage you to give big, whatever big is for you. Usually I'd be quite embarrassed to talk about money with you in that kind of way, but this morning I'm not. I'm not embarrassed at all. Because in the same way that Paul knew that the generosity of the Philippians was ultimately for their good, Well, I also know that your generosity is for your good too. And so I want to encourage you to be wildly generous in your support of missionaries because, you see, the promise is that your blessings account will be filled and that you too will experience God's blessings poured out in your life and in the life of our church. Those who look after God's interests... Well, he looks after their interests too. Our partner is the God who promises to take care of all of our needs. Who wants to miss out on that? Seriously. And finally, there's one last thing that I reckon we learn from this letter about the support of our missionaries. And that is that God willing, there will be fruit from our partnership. And just like it must have been so encouraging for those Philippians to hear about Paul's converts, well, I reckon it's that kind of fruit that can be so encouraging for us too. And so 
to finish this morning, what I want to do is I want to finish with an example of the kind of encouraging fruit that, can, that I'm talking about here. I remember several years ago, uh, a young lady by the name of Nerida Bell came and stood here in church and, and told us all about her plans to go off to Japan and, and share with the people there the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I remember how at that time, we as a church entered into a partnership with her. And I remember how Nerida then went off to Japan and I remember how over the uh, following years, she used to keep us informed and, and ask us, and, and she would tell us about that severe lack of young Japanese men in ministry. Do you remember hearing her asking us to pray for that? Well, you know what happened? You know what God did? Nerida got married. Married to a young Japanese fellow by the name of Yas. And you know what Yas is going to be doing next year? Well, he's going to be attending a Bible college here in Sydney. Why? To be trained up for ministry. Friends, don't you think it's fruit like stories of fruit like that? That is just so encouraging when we are in a partnership with somebody like Nerida. Particularly encouraging as once again we think about this opportunity that we have this coming Mission Sunday. How will God encourage us in the future? What sort of fruit are we going to see from this upcoming Mission Sunday? What sort of fruit are we going to see in the year ahead through our partnership with our missionaries? I got no idea. But I tell you what, I, I'm really looking forward to finding out. Aren't you? Let's pray. Our Father, what a, a wonderful privilege it is for us to be partners in the gospel with you and uh, with our missionaries. Our Father, we thank you for these Christian men and women who, along with us, long to see Christ's name proclaimed. Lord God, we pray that you would help us to be good, faithful, wholehearted partners who seek to give you our very best. We pray, Father, that you would encourage our hearts as you bless us and as we hear more stories about the fruit that our partnership with our missionaries is producing all over the world. Father, may that fruit ultimately bring you all glory and honour and praise. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.